Hey, hello, hi, welcome to and or back to the Equifery Podcast. I am your host, Jill Treese, and all I can think about when I do that intro is uh, inevitably there have to be at least three people that know the intro and say it along with me, and I, I just want to know how you say it. <laughs> like, I feel like when when I'm when I listen to podcasts, I if the hosts have a routine intro, I'm always like saying it along with them. And so I just imagine while I'm recording mine that there are at least some of you in your car or mucking stalls or on a trail ride or a run or something being like, hey, hello, hi, welcome to my adventure. <laughs> like, just I see it in my head. But anyway, I am super tired today. I don't know why I didn't like not get a lot of sleep last night. I, I think it's it's just being a a woman at the last week of the month if you know what I mean and so I am kind of taking it easy it is Monday so I'm recording a full day before the episode goes up be proud of me and I am about to have to get a lot tighter with my schedule because uh some some big big old changes have been happening for me in terms of scheduling and I want to talk about that a little bit um before we dive too deep in so uh, I'm just going to give you guys a little overview of my, my plan layout here because I think it's fun. Okay. So we're going to do like the first little segment. It's going to be personal stuff. Like what's going on with me, the horses, some random thoughts and things. And then the middle section, I've got like a topic that I want to talk about that I asked my Patreon subscribers on discord, what topic I should talk about. And then I have a couple advice questions that I'm going to try to get to. Those normally take a really long time, though. So uh, I may only get through one. We'll see. But I promised you last week that I would do them, and I'm going to do them, okay? So, um, yeah, we're, we're having segments now, okay? I'm hoping that this will help the podcast be a little less just me shouting into the void and inevitably talking very meta-y about podcasting because I feel like every time I get on I'm like here's a new thing that I've discovered about podcasting um and that's not what this this whole spiel's about so without further ado let's roll that intro music and get right into it As you may have heard me mention earlier, there have been some big changes happening, and what that means is that I am officially beginning my practicum experience for my degree. So if you haven't heard me say it a million times, I am in a program getting my master's of clinical mental health counseling. So I am studying to become a therapist, essentially, and... Now I have entered the phase of the program where I have done almost all of the book work, save for one class. I'm in another one called assessment and counseling where we have to learn about tests, like administering tests uh, and assessments (laughs) to people. Um, And so outside that class, which is a lot of like book work type stuff, uh, I'm also taking practicum. And so practicum is the last step before I take internship one and then internship two, and then I graduate. So I'll be graduating if everything goes according to plan uh, next fall, which is really cool and exciting, but also so stressful. Oh my God, uh, I don't, (laughs) I don't know how one feels like ready to just begin, but you kind of just have to, there is no really buffer. You just kind of have to jump in and get experience because 
it's just it is you're never going to learn everything that you need to from books you have to get out there and do it as we all are quite aware working with horses you know you can read all of the positive reinforcement training books you want but until you go and do it you're not going to be very skilled at it you know the book reading helps and it prepares you and gives you like a a guide but doing it yourself is the only way that you're really going to learn like how you work and how your timing sucks <laughs> and things like that uh so i i'm starting that on next monday I start a new job working at a facility um, and I'll be shadowing a counselor and then working in my own capacity with clients and stuff, which is like crazy. So a little bit stressed, a little bit nervous, but also very excited and like really ready to be six months from now where I like feel like I have a decent handle on the whole process. But um, yeah, so I'll be doing that like Right now, I think our plan is three half days a week because I also have this job working for Sunny and uh, uh, also this job podcasting. And so I'm trying to figure out how to balance everything. And so I think I'm going to do like Monday, Wednesday, Friday working at the, um, I don't know what to call it. I don't want to like say the name of it, but like the psych place I'm working at. And then here is, you know, it's kind of just whenever the horses need me and also like whenever my boss needs me to ride her horse or whenever I'm working with the babies or whatever. Um, and then, uh, the podcast obviously goes up every Tuesday. And so I'm trying to like, trying to get everything more streamlined and I'm really, really warring with myself over switching all of my social media just to Jet Equithery and just not having really much to do with the podcast account anymore, just because it's, it's so much to post the same thing to like seven different accounts. And the same thing is happening with what happened with my YouTube channel is that I'm posting everything on the podcast that I'm not using the YouTube channel. Um, but also on Jetic with your, I don't really want to post videos where I'm like not in them. It's just audio. I don't think people would really care for that. Um, but with Instagram, I do think that it wouldn't hurt me to share the Instagram graphics. So I think I'm, I've got to figure out a tactful way to like do that. I don't know if I want to like create a big carousel of all of the cover arts and be like, here's all the episodes I've done. And now I'm going to start posting about them regularly, uh, or not. Um, but, or I might just start posting them. I don't know. The neurosis really like slows me down sometime. I really suffer from perfection paralysis, (laughs) but, um, yeah, so that that's that's on the the table, and I just I want to make my social media thing so streamlined that uh, I can keep doing it because like it's been for the last little while I've I've mentioned in several episodes that I just haven't felt like posting, and I've been posting on like a ten day interval. <laughs> I've noticed every ten days I'm like yeah I think I can do it again now, um, so I would like to get to where I'm posting at least three times a week again about the podcast and then maybe two posts about what's going on with the horses in my life or maybe uh, another that features like um, you know some informative level something Uh, but just like keeping uh, a minimum of three and then if I go over that's great but if not then cool Uh, and just like having a day where I can record the podcast create the graphics and then plan out my posts for the week and have have something to like continually give you guys uh my I I noticed when I asked on Jet Equithery uh 
uh, like on my story what you guys wanted to see more of on my account a lot of people said like more personal life stuff and I do have a personal Instagram account not just to like straight up shout out myself but uh jill.trees is my personal account and uh, I recently <laughs> regained access to it because I lost access to it for like two three years almost um and then I had jet trees for a while but now that one's just a backup because I got jill.trees back <laughs> sorry no more yanni um so anyway I yeah that's that's where that is I'm trying to move in more of a direction of like let's make everything super simple because I've just gotten to a place where and I've talked about this a couple times now but I just I feel like it it really is worth reiterating because it makes such a big difference that like prioritizing what really matters to me has made me so much happier and I know that sounds like really stupid (laughs) and very obvious but like I remember a couple years ago, or maybe it was just last year, um, I had a conversation with one of my friends that's in my program talking about how I, like, was afraid to let go of the stress monster and, like, who I would be if I wasn't constantly anxious and stressed all the time. Like, I felt like I wouldn't get anything done. I wouldn't still be me. I would be different in some way, and I didn't really, like, know what that would look like or how that would feel or who I would be then. And, uh you know, going through this breakup and also like getting into a a completely new arena working with, uh, I'm going to be working with people now. Um, not that I haven't been with the horse training, but like in a, you know, a mental health capacity more so than a horse training capacity is like, it's so overwhelming and daunting. And like, it feels like everything in my life has just turned on a 180. And I'm like suddenly dealing with all of these huge things and um, and changes and things that normally I feel like would have put me way over my my stress threshold. I always struggle to say that. Um, and but in a way, it's kind of like nice because it's so stressful that I don't even know what to worry about about those things. And I'm just kind of like, it's okay. I'll figure it out. <laughs> like, I don't know right now. And I'm just, I'm not going to know. And there is zero point in me stressing about it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take care of me in the meantime, because I have been so chronically bad at that my whole life. Like genuinely thought that I was doing something like almost being a martyr. Cause I'm like, I'm working so hard. Like, look how hard I'm working that I'm not, I'm not sleeping at all. I'm not eating. I'm not, Uh, doing anything fun all I do is work and that's something to be proud of and it's not (laughs) it's really not like that that to me now is indicative of an issue like if you are working that hard all the time something is wrong you're doing that either because something is wrong in your environment in your life because you have to you need to work to make money and to sustain uh or you have a problem psychologically (laughs) which is kind of where um I was at, and I'm sure there's uh, other nuances to that, but like for me particularly, it was, I'm working to avoid and like not learn how to take care of me and to slow down and enjoy because it's a lot, it feels a lot safer when I'm in control and I'm doing a lot and that's just not really how I want to live anymore and that's ultimately what it came down to and I've gotten to a place now where, you know, I'm going to bed at... 10 most nights waking up at six most mornings doing yoga every day trying to journal more I'm trying to read more I'm trying to put 
my phone and my computer away at like 6 or 7 p.m., take a shower, take care of me, eat dinner, go sit on the couch, watch a show or a movie and draw and like just really dedicate time to downtime. And what I've noticed is that I really suffer from like really bad time blindness when I'm staring at a screen because it'll be 6 p.m. and I'm on my computer and I'm like, cool, I got plenty of time. And the next time I look at my clock, it is 1 a.m. And I'm like, what? (laughs) That happened to me last night. That's why I'm so tired today because I was working on something on my computer and uh, it was 6 p.m. and I was fine. And then the next time I looked, it was 8.30 and I was like, oh my God, I got to go do yoga and shower. And then, you know, everybody wants to call you before they go to bed. And I'm like, I have, I have a nighttime routine. I can't do this. Like I, I normally like to do yoga in the morning, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. And then I do it before I take a shower and go to bed. And so like, then I'm like trying to rush people off the phone. And it's like, if I had taken the time <laughs> to, to step away from the work stuff and not be doing it during work or after hours, like when I'm supposed to be taking time for myself, then I don't have to rush people off the phone. I don't have to like rush to do yoga or to shower. And then I don't end up going to bed at 1130. And that's what happened. I still make myself get up at six. I'm like, you will not give up the sleep schedule. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been a process and a learning thing, but I'm, I'm getting to a point where I'm trying to be really disciplined because it is so hard for me. Um, but I don't want to live like that anymore. It's just, it's not fulfilling. It's exhausting. It's taxing and I'm not happy. And I don't end up being a person that's like enjoyable to be around. <laughs> I just be like grumpy and mean and rude and judgy. And like, I just am not that person and I don't like feeling that way. And so I'm really making an effort to take care of me so that I can really bring that energy, especially working with people that have, you know, that they're going through stuff. They don't need me (laughs) coming in and, you know, and I I know that there's always going to be some level of me being a human that's dealing with my own things, but, um, I just, I want to be more, more aware of that and more respectful and considerate of myself and that bleeds over into doing that for others so that's that's sort of my headspace lately and on Saturday I met with my supervisor uh, who I'll be working with at the facility and I'm really excited because she's so nice and she's the year like archetypal archetypal <laughs> uh stereotypical I guess uh therapist type that is just like warm and feels like they float a little bit and is just like so kind and asks all the right questions and she's just super cool so I'm really excited to work with her um but yeah on on the horsey front uh Zoe's doing really well I know everybody's like what happened to Zoe and realistically like she kind of just exists now and she's not mad about it I'm not mad about it um you know there was like a brief moment where I was like maybe I'll start riding her again but like I just really don't think she's like super into it because every time I go out and hang out with her I walk up to her and she does her like little blink blink thing she's so cute like she has the most adorable like puppy dog face and um is always like hey how are you how you going and Sunny and I gave her a bath the other day uh, just because she was just getting a little grimy and she was so cute and so good for it and uh, she's like one of the few horses in the world uh, that doesn't mind having her face sprayed off like I think it was 
uh, Jim, is either Jim Graham or Jim Wofford that made like a Facebook post eons ago that was like, you shouldn't spray your horse's face off. It's super rude. They just ran cross country for you or whatever. And you're just like spraying them in the face with water. And I was like, yes, except for Zoe and Azula. (laughs) Like Zoe, I like after I finished giving her a bath, I took her halter off and then I noticed she still had some like grimy stuff around her eyes. And so I put the the sprayer on mist and just like put it up next to her eye. And she just like closed her eyes and like leaned into my hand and let me like rub it. No halter on. I'm spraying her directly in the face. And uh, I did all over her forehead and then her other eye around her ears. And she like completely trusts me not to spray water in her ears. It always drives me insane. The horses that are like, don't get it in my ear. Don't get it in my ear. And they try so hard for you to not and then always make you end up getting it in their ear (laughs) i'm like if you would just be still i know that you can't understand that but like if you would just be still um but for the most part with horses that don't enjoy it i just use a a towel or a sponge but zoe has never cared she always like puts her face down and is like "Mm, yeah get it and like closes her eyes and stuff um but azula stands with her face in the sprinkler all day long with the sprinkler just like spraying her directly in the eye and the ear and she does not care at all (laughs) i'm like i ended up with the two horses on the face of the earth that just absolutely don't care about having their faces sprayed um but yeah zoe's been really good she just she likes to come up for treats and eye scratchies i just hold my hands like cupped and she rubs her face up and down them she's got her feet done the other day and she was really good for that um and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Oh, I also gave her a haircut. Her mane was getting a little out of control, and it's been really hot lately. Um, I'm always sorry about that. I'm always a little like on the fence about how ethical is it to cut the mane, and that's just kind of one area that I'm like, you know what? I sh- I don't really want to explore that one. <laughs> I just don't. Uh, I feel like mane gets hot or it gets very cold. I know that it's supposed to be there to like create a layer of protection, but also it just gets so hot. And then in the winter, it gets like icicles and stuff in it. And I'm like, I know they're designed that way, but it just really seems like an inefficient method to keeping them warm or protected. I'll just fly spray them (laughs) and put put a neck warmer on or whatever. Um, And I really don't feel like it does that much, but um, it probably does. And I'm just, I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) like validating myself here but uh yeah anyway moving on Azula she is doing really well she got to play in the arena the other day I talked about that um and I've been messing with her a little bit more here and there because uh like we had the farrier come out just recently or the trimmer rather and he did her feet and um she was she was really good for it up until this one moment. And I'll say like two weeks ago, I went on a family vacation to Florida. And right before I left, I checked on her and she had some pretty bad rain rot on her haunches. And I was like, oh, shoot. So I put some coat defense on it, gave her a bath and tried to like clean it up. And uh, then I was gone for a week. And then when I came back, nobody else had <laughs> addressed it. So I was like, okay. So I gave her another bath. And then put some more coat defense on it, um, which, by the way, best product ever for rain rot. I don't, I don't know. I feel like everybody has their like 
holy grail product for things like rain rot and scratches and whatever but coat defense that's what it's called is the best stuff ever most of the time like like this the that time that i just talked about the second time that i put it on her after a week the spots that got covered with the coat defense because i i ran out of it that day uh were completely dried up gone the next day there was no like loose hairs or anything like that it was completely fine um but like I said, we ran out. There wasn't enough to like do her whole coat. So I had to order some and my stupid Amazon Prime subscription uh, ran out because I'm not a student anymore. So I don't pay for Prime because it's expensive when you're not a student. And um, so <laughs> it took a week to get here and I was like, and it, but they don't sell it anywhere around us that I'm aware of. So um, I had to wait a week, but the farrier came out. And he, he always like, likes to de-shed the horse with the rasp and whatever, like when he's taking a break in between feet. And he is the slowest, gentlest guy ever. Like he really takes his time with the horses and we love him for that. Um, and he was so gentle. I watched him do it, but it's Azula and she doesn't work like that. And he took his rasp and just gently started like scraping away the rain rot. And oh my God, she tucked her tail and just like hopped the other direction and like drug me across the field. And I was like, whoa, 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 it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And she was like, what happened? Like, what was that? And then like, wouldn't, and he kept like, he's still like, you know, a traditional guy, like step still kept approaching her and she's like backing up, backing up, backing up. And I was like, just stop for a second. <laughs> just stop. And then I walked up to her and I'm like reassuring her and I'm petting her. I'm getting her to relax, touching her shoulder. And then he starts walking over to her again. I was like, just because she stopped does not mean just come back over. I need her to like saddle fully. Give her a second. Um, and then she starts like walking back again. And I was like, okay, hang on. And he was like, why don't we just come back to her? And I was like, that sounds like a really good idea. And so I let go of her and made up with her. And then we finished the rest of the farm and then we came back. Um, she did not forget <laughs> and it had been like 45 minutes and she did not forget. Uh, and so I was like, okay, hang on. You stay there at her head and I'm going to, I'm going to pet her and I'm going to pick up her foot. And so I did. And then I stayed standing at her shoulder and then he walked from her nose to her shoulder where I was. And so I'm now standing like at her barrel, like between her front and hind legs hanging on to the lead rope and he's now in front of me at her shoulder <laughs> and then uh then he asked her to pick up her foot and she did and so then I like put the lead rope under him to change hands and then went back to her head and she was fine and then I was like that was the weirdest way I've ever had to do that but okay and so I'm standing there I'm scratching her telling her she's a wonderful delight and then he gets done and then he goes to the back foot and she's like hell no <laughs> absolutely not and I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding. So I was like, hang on, let me, let me do her front foot again. I did her front foot again. She's fine. I walked straight back to her hind end. She had no issue with me going back there. It's literally just him. And so I ran my hand down her back leg, scratched her, asked her to pick up her foot and then scratched her hind end when she did. And then I stayed by her back leg. And then he came from her shoulder to her back leg. And then he picked it up. And then I just stayed there while he trimmed. <laughs> like, I don't know what that is but that's how we had to do it it was very bizarre and I'm glad that I have somewhat of an intuition I, I don't know what it is it's really just Azula like I feel like a lot of other horses 
I would, I, I feel, I don't know if it's just imposter syndrome or not, but like, I feel like with other horses, I just am constantly making the wrong call. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, but with Azula, it's like, it's like she just downloaded this handbook in me that I just understand her. And whenever there is a problem, I can just very easily solve it in the weirdest ways. Like, why, why on earth would walking to her back leg and standing there while the farrier works on her back foot be any different than me standing at her head? Like, why do I have to walk? I don't know if she was like, you need to monitor this. Like, you need to make sure he doesn't touch my rain rod again. Um, but re the rain rod also, uh, the coat defense came in and I've been putting it on her and she's doing much better with it. Um, but it's a slow process cause she won't let me just like scrape it all off. So I can't like get all the way to it. I gotta like do it in, in cycles, but, um, yeah. So, so that was our farrier experience recently, but yeah. So I think now we can get into this week's topic. <laughs> Hi friends, if you've been wanting to learn even more about training, boy oh boy do I have the course for you. Getting Behavior, the Foundations of Animal Training, taught by Carolina Westland of Illis Animal Behavior Consulting, is an awesome online course that I actually had the pleasure of taking. Having already taken Carolina's amazing Animal Emotions course, I knew I was in for a whole lot of learning yet again. And even as an experienced trainer, I still learned a lot of entirely new things and gained a fresh new perspective and a more sciencey perspective on old things. It really felt like I was able to bolster my basics and get more confident in what I already knew. And also having a plethora of ways to explain the same thing is always helpful for different human learners. Successful animal training will help improve your relationship with your animal, reduce fear and stress, and empower the animal to take an active part in their own care and work with you. Plus, it's really fun. The Getting Behavior course is an online course of about 13 hours, that's 10 modules, a whole lot of learning, and as a bonus, you get monthly Q&A live webinars with Carolina where she answers all training-related questions. Find out more and also get $100 off the full price by following my link in the show notes. I also get a kickback from that, so I would really appreciate it, and also if you don't use it, then you don't get $100 off, so you better use that link, okay? Thanks. Friends, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the Equitheory Patreon. By becoming a patron at one of the three tiers, you automatically become an Equitheorist. As one holding this holy title, you may simply monetarily support all things Equitheory content creation as every little bit counts and it goes a long way toward making the show better and science-based training and management education more accessible. Or, alternatively, you have my permission to reap the sweet benefits to which you now have access. Those decadent benefits include supporting the show, Jill and the Horses. That's me. It's third person. First and foremost, of course. But also discounts in the Equithery store, Patreon exclusive swag, which is a fun word that they use, which is a mug and a sticker. But, you know, your questions dubbed as those with the highest priority for podcastual response and access to the members only Discord server where you'll be able to join a community of like-minded equestrians, vote on topics for upcoming episodes, share your triumphs, get advice when you get stuck, and access to all of the beautiful sciencey minds of other trainers. Best of all, you get to join in live monthly meetings. During these meetings, you can ask as many of your training and behavior questions as your heart desires, plus get access to custom curated resources and meet fellow like-minded equestrians who are more than happy to talk horses for hours on end. Seriously. They go for like four hours. It's absurd. 
But beyond all of that, you also now have access to my eternal gratitude. (laughs) And if you aren't into the whole monthly subscription thing, you can choose to opt for the discounted annual subscription, or you can join for a month, cancel after, you'll have lifetime access to the Discord server at the Equitherist Light tier, or you can just keep listening to the podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. I make a little bit of coring that way, so like, just keep doing it, okay? That works for me. But for serious, if you're interested in joining, you can just click on the link down in the description or go to patreon.com and type in Equitheory and become a member today. Alrighty, guys, we are back, 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 back. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about today's topic what is that topic you ask it's energy dude energy in urgy in urging you to rate and review the podcast <laughs> um just kidding anyway energy so i asked the the patrons on the discord what they wanted me to talk about and this was a topic so this one is actually relatively fitting because as i have shared with you all i am a baby yogi I'm sorry that that's the word. I don't love it either, but a yogi is somebody that is a a yoga enthusiast, you might say, in the same way that people say like coffee enthusiast, horse enthusiast. (laughs) Um, I thoroughly enjoy doing yoga because I I do understand why (laughs) when people do yoga, they end up very into energy and alignment and balance and like um, centering feelings because that's, that's what it does. Um, the word yoga in my understanding means to unite and it is a balancing of the mind and the body and you're bringing them together. And that's, that's what I really like about it because I, I feel like, um, I've been doing a lot of like, sorry, I'm saying like so much. I'm becoming aware of that at the moment. Uh, I've been doing a lot of looking into the work of Ram Dass and the Dalai Lama and those two people. I, well, I've always liked his holiness, the Dalai Lama, his, um, his quotes and stuff. And so I've been reading a book by him called the, uh, or an open heart and the Ram Dass I discovered through the Duncan Trussell family hour podcast and he always references him and how amazing of a teacher and human he was. So I, I've been like really thinking about things like that. I'm, I'm listening to an audiobook called, uh, Polishing the Mirror by Ram Dass, uh, which was also recommended by Warwick Schiller. So I was like, okay, I need to listen to this book. So, uh, yeah, and they all talk about how important it is to be here now and in the moment and just being aware of the present and yourself and how you feel, what's going on around you. And, you know, it, it all, it's it's interesting to me how it all works together because there's the the proverb by Lao Tzu, I think, pardon my pronunciation, um, but that... Uh, you know, anxiety is when you're living in the future. Depression is when you're living in the past and uh, peace is found in the present. I know that's probably a butchering of a, of a poetic quote, but that 
that I've heard Warwick Schiller apply to horses. And Warwick Schiller, I would say, is probably one that is a, one of the better horsemen that uses energy in a way. Um, I don't know that he'd necessarily say energy exactly. I've heard him use it a couple times, but he's not like an energy trainer. Um, and not that I think that there's anything wrong with that, but I do think that it it walks a very fine line, much in the way that we see uh, like dog trainers, like, you know, the one that's guy, <laughs> uh, I don't want to when I on anyone but like that is that genre of trainer whether horse or dog world is a lot like no I'm just raising my energy I'm not doing anything wrong but like what what does that do does it make the behavior decrease over time well then it's probably punishing to the animal in some degree because the definition of punishment is decreasing behavior you're either removing something or adding something that decreases behavior so if the result is the behavior stops happening as often, it's punishing. Um, or, you know, unless you're doing like a differential reinforcement where you're reinforcing a different behavior that becomes more reinforcing and then takes over and then the other one eventually dies out. Um, but that said, the thing is not replacing the behavior with another one. So uh, that would be punishing and so that that's that's where it gets a little confusing because it's like it doesn't get confusing it gets a little bit semantics and people that are very good at marketing such as that's guy (laughs) it's uh it it turns into like no I'm just I'm raising my energy and I'm asserting my dominance like no you're punishing the animal is what you're doing scientifically speaking so there are things like polyvagal theory that is uh it has quite a bit of, uh, what would you say, contention in the scientific community. There are some people that hardcore stand by it and some people that really, really are like, this is pseudoscience and it's nonsense. I don't really know where I fall in that. I'm not super well-versed in it, but I do think that, that the polyvagal theory has more to do with things like energy, social connectedness, and I feel like if it is legitimate, then that would be something that would logically apply very very well to horses that are very social creatures they're highly reliant on a herd uh you know if there's stress rippling through the herd they're all on high alert and that's how they keep each other safe and they they do the same thing with humans to some degree and so it makes it makes a lot of sense that you could theoretically train with some level of energy do I think that you'll ever be able to get away from using positive and negative reinforcement? Absolutely not. No matter what you train with, whether it's, um, you know, natural horsemanship, whether it's attuned horsemanship, whether it's positive reinforcement, science-based, whether it's connection-based, what, no matter what your training model is, you are always using operant conditioning, classical conditioning. Those principles are something that you use no matter what you call it, no matter what you name it, whether you like it or not. And so I think that that is really where you have to be careful when talking about using energy to train. Because yes, I think it is a component for sure. And that's just, okay, I have a cat walking under the mic. Um, That's just my own personal opinion. And I have little to no research to back that up. (laughs) I 
I am such a hardcore science-based person. I love science. I think it's so valuable. And I think that the horse world is like far too deprived of it. They just like won't look at it for the most part. We love to live by tradition in this industry. But um, that said, there is a large part of life that is not well understood yet. Do, Do I think that someday energy type you know, training or interactions or the way that it influences us and learning will be discovered and, you know, a more tangible, researched, I don't know, like information. Yeah, probably. But right now we don't know. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't necessarily exist. And I don't know if it's too woo-woo for everyone. And I'm a little bit nervous to even you know, really like talk about it because so much of the horse world is just like nonsensical, like reverse woo woo almost like, uh, has like a come and take it attitude about training. Like it, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. So it's, it's not like the, we're connected and we use energy to like talk to each other. And I hug trees in my free time. Like it has this like respect, like it's, it's, the opposite end of the spectrum. And I think that there's, there's a place in the middle where you have science-based training and where you have the, the like human horse spiritual element, if you will. And you guys that have been listening to the podcast for a while know that I am not a like religious person. And I'm hesitant to even say that I'm a spiritual person because of that very (laughs) reason that like I have an averse to the woo woo and also the um, religious aspect of of things. But um, in in me getting more into yoga and practicing like I don't know, it's it's weird because I, I use an app called Asana Rebel. And yes, there is an element of like. Uh, shine your heart forward but there's also like it's like also cardio and a workout kind of thing um, and then they have slower more meditative ones um, and so it's been kind of like a slow burn for me I feel like I'm slowly being boiled into the becoming a woo-woo person but I I don't know I'm kind of tired of finding it <laughs> I don't think that um, you know it's it's necessarily a bad thing I think that there's a line to be drawn uh, somewhere, but, you know, I, I don't think that I have to be the way that I previously was, if that makes sense, where I was like hardcore, nothing spiritual, ew, gross, no. Now I'm getting to a point where I'm I'm open to it. I'm more like, yeah, there's probably something going on out there, uh, spiritually speaking, and I'm, I'm interested in it. I, I'm open to it. I want to be connected to the world, and whether that means that I'm feeling my my body and the way that my feet interact with my mat and the ground. And when I walk outside and I'm working with the horses, how the air hits my skin and what I see and smell and how I feel when I enter a field with horses and their different personalities like come at me, you know, how does that, how does that feel? How does that make me feel? How does it, uh, you know, penetrate <laughs> the air, you know, like, there's there's an element there that is not tangible in terms of like that's that's just positive reinforcement you know um the horse is walking up to you because it has a a solid learning history with you there's a lot of stuff that is not 
super uh, explainable, I don't think. And like I talk a lot about my relationship with Azula and it's very much a, it's very much like that. And I was, I went over to my bosses the other night and we're having, having some, she was having beer. I was having a truly because I don't like beer. (laughs) Um, And we're just talking and I was like, I was talking about my future and plans and stuff and like what I want to do. And I was like, you know, it was just, it's so inconvenient to have horses, to be frank. Like it, it really, it sucks so bad that it's so in the way for so many things for me because it's expensive. It's hard to move them. And then I'm so darn ethical (laughs) that I'm like, I feel guilty moving them and ripping them away from their herds and their friends and their life. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's tough. And I was talking about how, like, I really just don't want to live here for the rest of my life. And that's not been a secret to anyone. I don't want to get out ASAP. Um, but I was talking to her about with Zoe that it's just like, I would be okay with Zoe staying here if I move because Zoe is established in her herd. She owns a herd. Like, it's not like Azula is a part of her field, but Zoe has a herd. She has a responsibility. <laughs> um, and you know, you guys know I'm, I'm the dominant theory lady. I made the video. I made the podcast. I do not believe in dominant theory, but there are a lot of horses in Zoe's, uh, field that depend on her. She is, uh, like the youngest, strongest, smartest. We'll say that. And so like her mom, Amber, Zoe is her seeing eye horse <laughs> like she Amber has one eye and they they do this thing where they tap each other and I've never seen anything like it and it's so consistent anytime they hear a noise in the distance uh, Zoe will reach over and she'll bump Amber with her no- nose and Amber will do it right back and it's it happens every single time if they hear a noise or if they're going somewhere they check in with each other just like that all the time I've never seen horses do that And it's, it's really, really cool to watch. And Amber is just very, very attached to Zoe. And then Zoe's best friends with Lady, who's much more laid back. And, you know, Lady's not going to tell anybody to move away or get away from her. And Zoe will, will be the one to do that. And they, they all just have this little dynamic and there, there are other horses in the field too, but like Zoe has a very important role and I can tell that she feels that, like, I don't know how to explain it. And I, I mean, maybe I'm projecting cause I'm just a dumb human and I don't know anything, but I, I really feel like she, she feels like she found her place where she belongs and, you know, she's accepted by the other horses. She has a, a role and a job. Um, but also for the most part, it's just relaxing and hanging out in a field with her buddies. And, uh, so it's, it, I don't know, it's, it's really cool. And she doesn't seem like super into, to working with people or whatever. Um, but so, so my boss and I were talking about this and I'm digressing so hard all the time. Uh, um, and she was like, yeah, no, I, I agree. And I was like, but Azula, like, I just, I can't leave Azula. I don't, I, I love Zoe. I don't love her any less than I love Azula, but like, I can't leave Azula. If I thought she would be way better off to stay here, then I would probably make that call. But I don't think she would because she's young. And, uh, you know, <laughs> if she did stay here, uh, Sonny might be like, oh, I need some room. I'll sell her. Zoe is unsellable. And uh, I mean, I'll pay board and whatnot. But like um, with Azula, she 
like she, there's just something about her that I can't explain there. Like I was saying earlier, there's just some connection with us that is, is not like anything I've ever had before where I feel like I, I have her operating manual pre-downloaded. Like I just, I get her in a way that, and I, I know to do things around her that I've never done with other horses that work for her and make sense. It's very strange. And when I'm around her, I can feel her personality, per, personality, personality and energy in a way that, um, I imagine most people feel with their horses. I don't know if I'm just like paying attention to it and making a bunch of stuff up, but like being around Azula, like I can see her personality the way that I could see colors, like the way I can see her body when I'm around her, I see her personality or it's maybe it's more akin to like smelling you know, it's not like readily available, but you know, it's there. Like, you know, when you smell things, you can't see the smell, but you, you, it's a different sense. Maybe that's the sixth sense. I, I don't see dead people, but <laughs> I, I see po- pony personality. And I think most horse people understand what I'm saying, but, um, it's, it's just a different thing. It's there though, you know, but I don't think that means we need to, like the way that I hear people say that they use energy to train and they train with energy, what they mean is that they raise and lower their energy in the way, like, let's use join up as an example. If you have a horse in a round pen and you raise your energy at their hind end, you use your arm or a whip as an extension of your arm to raise the energy. You're not raising the energy. You're scaring the horse forward. <laughs> the horse is moving away from the whip because it, one, has a history of experience with the whip it knows that it hurts and it's trying to avoid that or two it's afraid of the whip because it doesn't have a past learning experience with the whip and you've been loud and scary with it so now it's running away and then when the horse moves away you lower your energy to reinforce that moving forward and now the horse has learned that if they move forward when you lift the whip or you raise your energy by moving towards them or you say trot or whatever then the the pressure goes away. That energy lowers. But really, it's not necessary. Like, yes, you are raising your energy. Like, if you jog at your horse's hind end in the round pin, they're probably going to start trotting. Um, but that that's not... It's more just you're applying pressure through, like, very basic operant conditioning. Like, you're, you're adding pressure via fear or uh, past learned pain and avoidance mechanisms... But it's not because the horse is responding to you on an energetic, spiritual level. That's not what's happening. Um, and the same goes for, like, uh, like I hear a lot of people say with babies. Like, you raise your energy when they raise their energy at you. And then when they lower their energy, you lower your energy. Um, and most of the time, that means if the baby horse is coming at you trotting and you, like, kind of, like, fake them out a little bit. Like, you... Uh, like post up a little bit and they they go oh and then they walk a little slower towards you then you you have a little bit of reciprocity there um I will say I have done that many many times because sometimes our cults just be coming like a bat out of hell at us and I'm like oh I need to stay safe and then they respect that and then they don't do it again and I'm not like you know jumping at them or anything just being like whoop and they're like okay sorry um, 
and usually redirecting them into Dexter. I'm like, go play with Dexter. He's big and also a baby and will continue to play with you slowly and gently and he can handle it. I cannot. But um, that said, it's... I, I still recognize what it is. I don't think that that is me like communicating energetically with the horse. Um, but I think that you can do that, even though I said it with a patronizing tone. I think that you can. A lot of the quote unquote energy work that I do with Azula is just going out and being with her and, you know, running my hands over her, feeling her like just like scratching her and connecting with her in a way that is it's just for the sake of doing it it's not for the sake of training or anything like that and I have a video up on my Instagram that's like how it started versus how it's going and is a and it's also on my TikTok it's a reel on Instagram but um I just I went out one night and I actually just posted the first half of that video where she was in the field by herself, like all her entire herd was all the way across the field. And I, I went out there to check on a different horse and I called to her and she picked her head up and she cantered right over to me. And I was like, what is happening? And I was like, I'm going to have to go hang out with her. Apologize to my boyfriend at the time and <laughs> jumped the fence and started scratching her. And, uh, then I just like, I could feel her energy was up a little bit. And so I just started like walking away from her and then grabbed a a little bounce in my step and jogged and she jogged with me and I was like, oh my God, this has never happened before. It's so fun. And did that for a little while and like just playing with her, like it felt like dancing with her. I mean, she kept stride with me. She wasn't like trying to go in front of me or behind me. She was like staying with me and it was really, really cool. And stuff like that is, is very different than what I see when I see people using energy as a, like a marketing tactic, like I train with energy and it's just like your basic natural horsemanship stuff with better marketing labels. Like, you know, it it used to be like, you need to be dominant. You need to be the alpha. And there's still, of course, some trainers that do that, but now there are others that are like, it needs to be respect and it needs to be discipline and the horse needs a job. And then it was like, well, now we're training with energy and we're, we're bringing your energy up and trying to help them bring their energy down. Like it's, it's all the same exact thing, just with different marketing. That's, that's that group of training, if you will. Now, on the other hand, I do think that there is training with energy that is not that, if you know what I mean. Like it's, it's an unavoidable part to me. I'll say this to me, it's an unavoidable part, much like operant and classical conditioning is you cannot get away from the energy that you bring and the energy that the horse brings to a session that is going to be there regardless of if you're trying to use it or not. So a lot of times when I talk to clients about working with their horses and I can tell that they're really stressed in their personal lives because they've got a bunch of sports going on or they've got some big life changes going on. And they're like, it's just not clicking with my horse. I'm doing everything right. I'm like, how are you coming into the session? What's happened for you before? You know, what are you doing (laughs) in, in your approach to the horse? Are you coming at them with all this energy, expecting them to be the thing to like fix your day? And then you have an agenda as well. Or are you approaching it calm, relaxed, happy to receive whatever they give and willing to work with them you know it's it 
your mindset is, I think, a big part of the energy where you're at with yourself. And I think the best way, in my opinion, to approach working with any horse is to come at it centered, balanced, relaxed, at peace. And the easiest way to do that, in my opinion, for me, is to do yoga and to meditate because what what doing those things has done for me is I've learned how to breathe because I have historically been a very anxious person. I breathe in the top of my chest and I breathe very short and rapid and like like I might not get another one. And also um, just from growing up, like, uh, I don't know, a lot of people probably experience this where you like learn not to breathe loudly, to not be noticed uh, for one reason or another. You just like, <laughs> like you you can't hear um like some people it amazes me when they breathe so loudly I'm like you were just not it didn't experience any like trauma did you <laughs> um but I think that um learning how to breathe deeply and to regulate yourself and your nervous system and how to bring yourself back down has been so helpful for me especially working with young horses because I've learned how to center myself and how to relax especially and when working with the young ones that don't really have that skill. And so then I I can begin to help them to de-escalate when they start getting a little bit out of control. And that's where I, I'm interested in learning more about the polyvagal theory that um, Warwick talks about. And it's actually like a psychology concept, first and foremost. He applied it to horses. So I'd like to look more into that um, and learning about how it applies to, to both horses and humans. Uh, because that's what I work with, both of them. But uh, yeah, I do think it's it's really important to differentiate between that type of energy training that is strictly a marketing ploy and the type of energy training that is unavoidable, like what you are bringing. And I do think that you can use it if you learn more about it and how to help help with your training. Um, because it is a crucial element, but it's, it's more of a, it's more of work you need to do outside of your work with your horse. And it, it affects more what you're bringing into the session rather than what you're necessarily doing in the session, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's where I'll put the lid on the energy topic. If, if there's anything that I said that you guys want me to elaborate on more, you can always shoot me an email and let me know and I'll, I'll get to that, but um, I do want to move into answering at least one or two advice questions here before I wrap up. So let's let's get to the advice segment. That's our intro. <laughs> um, okay, how to heal my relationship with my horse? I bought him two years ago as an all rounder, maybe riding club, etc. He's not straightforward. I've spent the last two years battling with traditional methods and hating it more and more. Now I'm just ready to give up and sell him. But listening to part two of your chat with Adele Shaw, I realized I could fall back in love. I'm probably going to loan him out to a hacking home for six months to give me a break, and I may join Adele's foundation course if I decide to have him back. Uh, but how can I repair our relationship now? I don't want to start training with positive reinforcement if he's uh, about to go to a traditional loan home, but I feel, but I want to feel a connection with him again. Thanks for all you do for helping me uh, resolve the cognitive dissonance of being a horse lover in the modern traditional British equestrian community. You are more than welcome. I appreciate you saying that. Um, it's This is a, a tough question, but I do think that it, it goes pretty well with 
uh, the topic today, actually. Okay. So clearly there are a couple options. Obviously there's the one that you rehome the horse and find somebody that he really clicks with and that really loves and wants to work with them. And you can find another horse. I mean, I hate to say that because I, I know that as a positive reinforcement person, I'm supposed to be like, you must stay with your horse. You can never sell the horse. But, you know, I think I really think it's like working with people. There are just some horses that I've worked with in my life that I just really don't get along with. There are horses that I just really don't like for whatever reason. And there are horses that definitely really don't like me. And there, on the flip side, there are lots of horses that really love me and really like working with me. And I really like working with them. Um, so I, I do think sometimes it's just not a great fit. And if neither of you are happy, then you can move on. That said, if the relationship has been tainted because of the way that you've been taught to interact with him, then that that is a different context. So, um, you know, my, my solution is not simply sell the horse, nor is it simply keep the horse. But if you... I do think that maybe it's a good idea to uh, lease him out to give you kind of a break and a chance to reset. And you can spend the time in between learning more and kind of deciding, is horses something that you want to keep doing? If yes, how do you want to keep doing? And evaluate your goals and your values with horses. What matters to you with horses? What do you want to do with horses, if anything? What are your goals and like what really matters to you about working with horses? Is it competing? Is it having a bond, having a connection? Do you think that you'll be able to do that with this horse? If the answer is just no, then you're going to have to address it in one way or another. But if you really love the horse and you want to improve the relationship with the horse, I think that there is absolutely a path to do that. Uh, like you mentioned, taking Adele's foundation course is a great way to do that. Adele is absolutely brilliant and is like probably one of the best equipped people to walk you through the foundations of positive reinforcement and how to get that connection back. And there's really nothing better for a relationship with a horse than working with positive reinforcement because you're creating a positive association with yourself um, that the horse begins to learn that you now bring good things. Your training is fun and it has uh, rewards uh, associated with it. And the way that they light up when they when they finally understand something and then or just even when you just walk out, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, it's you. We get to do fun things. And then that transfers to even when you don't have the treat pouch on and they're still like, oh, my God, it's you. <laughs> and so it, it's a really cool difference to experience and watch happen. And it, it can really change your relationship. So I do recommend that. And also, like since this episode was about energy, there's a big part of like my relationship with Azula has not come from all of this crazy training that I've done. Azula knows the bare minimum, like to the point of making me feel like a bad and irresponsible owner and trainer, because I, I feel like I haven't done enough with her because most of what I do with her is just hanging out with her in the field, giving her lots of scratches, being with her, watching her, learning her language, what she likes, what she doesn't like, how she interacts with the other horses, laughing at her, just being continually pissed that she has not had a sister to buddy up with. <laughs> like she had Astro, then she had Dexter, and then she had Simba, and now she has Rory. We need a filly. We need a filly for poor Rue. Just doesn't have a buddy. Um, so 
<laughs> she's just always pinning her ears and biting at them because they want a rough house and she's not into it. Um, but she, she loves them. You can tell it's like, ugh, it's like a little brother thing. But anyway, so uh, the, my relationship with Rue has been very much like just, we're just being together. And that has made such a big difference in just my appreciation for her, my understanding of her. And like, it's just like I spent time getting to know a friend and not so much a coworker. Like we have to, we have to, when we're together, we need to be working on something like she's just my buddy <laughs> and I love seeing her. Uh, so, you know, maybe that's a way to look at it too. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you have a couple options. I don't think any of them are wrong. From my personal perspective, I think that whatever feels like the best for the horse and the best for you is probably your best best move forward. Um, I wish I had, you know, the perfect answer to that, but um, I feel like that's that's where I'll I'll cap that one. Um, so the last question that I'm going to get to here is uh, I'm brand new to using positive reinforcement and just started teaching targeting and manners through a stall. My question is in previous sessions, I've had issues working with my donkey, having anxiety slash herd bound issues uh, when I'm working with my mare. I have another donkey, but he doesn't seem to care about him when my mare is out of sight. Any suggestions on helping my donkey be okay when I'm somewhere else with my mare? I'm worried he may injure himself. Um, this question, I think I did an episode a while back on separation anxiety, but it's, um, really best explained in uh, Fair Horsemanship's course. Uh, she has a webinar over separation anxiety. and It's like the most comprehensive, easy to understand 50 minutes of your life. I think it's like 20 or 30 bucks to watch it. It's, it's super worth it. And it walks you through why these things happen and the, a really solid protocol for it. And for me to say it is kind of just ripping what her information was. Um, I'll, I'll link below to my, on my website, equitheory.com. I have under the topics tab, uh, separation anxiety under equine edu. And if you just go to that, you, there are a bunch of links on separation anxiety. And I think that that is probably going to be really helpful more so than me trying to explain it here. But just, just try to have a little bit of compassion for the little guy. It's his friend, it's his buddy. And I know it's annoying and frustrating and really hard to deal with because I'm dealing with it with Zoe and her mom. Um, but they're herd animals. They're meant to do this. It's very adaptive for them to do this. So um, it's it's a pretty simple procedure to overcome. Uh, so just check out the, the website uh, links that I have there. Uh, and I think that that is where I'm going to end it. I'll have the relevant links down below in the description. And also on my website, there's a, a page for the podcast episode that'll have links as well. Um, but yeah, I hope that you guys enjoyed this one. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know if you kind of like this format where I, I start out with like personal, then move to a topic and then do advice at the end. I really, really would love your input on that. Um, I think on Spotify, I can ask a question below the episode so I'll probably say like do you do you like the format and so if you'll just respond to that if you listen on Spotify that would be fantastic thank you guys so much for listening be sure to rate and review give me give me the five stars please please if you listen on Apple podcasts if you want to write a nice little review I love reading them it makes my freaking day dude um but with that said I really appreciate you guys thank you so much I am burping for the first time in the episode at the very end um 
yeah, you can follow us everywhere at Jet Equa Theory. And I think that's it. So, yeah, I'll catch you guys next Tuesday. Bye.